Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Cat Show. This week, we are continuing our experimentation with uh, playing with video with the show. And so those of you who are hearing this in audio, we're also doing this on Zoom and video and streaming it to some live platforms um, while we play around with the format. So I'm excited um, to announce this week's guest um, with this new format, and that is the fabulous, ladies and gentlemen, Jeanette DePatty, the Texplainer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very um, much. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jeanette is my uh, partner in so many things um, in uh, the business, and um, she is um, um, here to talk about uh, a topic near and dear to our heart, and that is tech trends. And what we're going to do every month is have a special um, have a special show with Jeanette to specifically narrow in on business categories and what's happening as we apply a lot of the media and tech trends that we often talk about, but put them to business categories, to enterprise, um, since that's where a lot of the monetization is happening. And a lot of people are um, leveraging some of the great work that they've done on the entertainment side and bringing it into business. And so um, what we're going to talk about this week is actually real estate trends. Um, so we're going to start, start by um, sharing um, some of the top trends in real estate that Jeanette and I have actually been exploring because we're doing some business in this area now, um, and we want to dig into it. Now, just um, for background on all of this, Jeanette, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's happening in this space on the, on the real estate side, just generally? Well, I would say generally people are more interested in virtual technologies. That's a, that's a key component, and that's definitely one of the trends we'll talk about. But they're using data to pre-sell and to make sure that the sales process is as efficient as possible. And they're also using data to help sort of try before they buy, look at different properties. It's, it's like every other industry, data is king, data management, data intelligence, all of that sort of thing. And then there's, of course, um, some material sciences as well, and we can talk about that too. All right, good. Well, let's dig right into it because we, we have about 10, 10 top tech trends in this area. Um, and okay. so we're going <laughs> to give or take. So we're going to start with the first one. Um, so let's forward here. And we have trend number one, which coming in at trend number one is, is homes getting built on data, which is what you were just referring to. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's, it's both from the homeowner and from the home builders standpoint, a lot of people don't realize that the home building industry is kind of slow in terms of uh, jumping ahead and, um, and getting into the technology industry. So they're behind a lot of other uh, groups. But what they are doing is they're connecting what's happening in the field with what's happening in the back office. Um, so a lot of times that data would get stuck in the pipeline and everybody had their own little note keeping systems and it just wasn't passing through. So now we're seeing databases being used. We're seeing a lot of mobile apps being used in the, in the field to help control what is happening uh, with, the, with the building process. I mean, houses are built with bricks, but more than bricks are built with data. It's, it's, what materials need to be, where, at what time, how much you ordered, how much it cost, did they all come in at the proper quality, is it, is it the right color of tile? These are the sorts of data things that happen in home building every day that up till now were done in a very inefficient way. Cool. And um, how do you see people responding to this, like um, in terms of the homeowner? Well, they can keep track as well of what's happening. I think a lot of times a homeowner, whether they want to or not, they become a sort of impromptu general contractor. And the hardest part about that was just keeping track of what was supposed to be happening on a daily basis. So some of these apps are starting to give insight into what is supposed to be happening on my house site today. It can't be supposed to be three guys sitting on a pallet smoking cigarettes. There's probably something else that should be happening right now. What is it? 
so that's what that's what the data helps them do. That's great. And um, it's not like you walk around going, um, oh, I'm going to look at all this data about my home, but I know more and more people are looking online and comparing numbers and things like that. But it's it's the deeper stuff that you're talking about. Well, uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, from the real estate side, for sure, from the realtor um, home search side, a lot of that is being narrowed down with search engines that uh, feed into real estate apps. So instead of just looking at every house in a zip code, you can be very specific about what you're looking for. And, and that makes the house buying process a lot quicker. That's totally cool. All right, let's go to the next trend, um, which is trend number two is homes are connected. Um, so what do, what do we mean by that? I mean, uh, some of it's a little on the obvious side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, IoT, the Internet of Things is is hugely important in this space. And, uh, you know, everything's connected. Your fridge is connected. Your, your, uh, your stove is connected. Your heater is connected. Your water sensors are connected. Everything is uh, connected together. And that, that it, your house is no longer an island is, is a good way to say that, I think. And, and, and in terms of both, can you talk a little bit about how this is impacting homeowners on the builder side, you know, um, you know, construction workers, real estate professionals, and then talk about it on the homeowner side? Like, you know, how does that impact everybody? Well, on the homeowner side, the connection is really about convenience. It's a sense of, you know, uh, how, how can I track everything that's happening? And how can I use machine learning so I don't even have to interact with my house? My house just knows what I want. It knows it connects with my car and my car says, Hey, she's going to be home in a half an hour and she's probably going to need a cold beer and she's going to need the heat turned up. And it just does these things for me automatically. And machine learning also helps builders learn what uh, customers want so that when they're building these homes, sometimes sight unseen in a development sense um, before they have a buyer, they know that they're putting in things that customers are likely to want to pay for. And, and from a customer's perspective, how much of this, how much of this do you think has to um, be part of the house as it's being wrapped up and sold to somebody? Like, is it, is it up to the homeowner to request these things? Are um, builders and real estate professionals looking at this as something that has to be added you know, at all times? Well, there are certain layers to this process. And the first layer is usually a safety security like smart locks, uh, smart cameras, security systems. Those things people are expecting to be there. Uh, garage door openers, I mean, just really basic things they're expecting um, from the get-go. And especially younger buyers are willing to pay more for a house and a house sells more quickly if it has these things in place. Now, some of the more exotic things like uh, connected stoves and, and, um, and that sort of thing, some of that is more of a luxury add-on. But one thing that uh, builders have to be really careful about is it can get overwhelming, especially if the interface is not well integrated. So the best thing they can do is pick a system build it out and make it as simple and automatic for the user as possible. Because if, if a user pays extra for it and then can't figure out how to use it, it's no longer perceived as a benefit. It's perceived as a challenge. And that's something that you don't want as a builder. Right. You don't want to make it hard because I, I know for me, I actually, um, I've actually set up um, most of the, most of the stuff happening in my house myself, because mm -hmm. 10 years ago, none of this was um, available. But I've been having um, conversations with my contractors, because they're about to add an extension. And I literally heard myself saying, so are you going to pull the third wire through? And am I going to be able to, you know, um, control the lights in that part of the house? Because right now, there's certain rooms that I have just put 100 bulbs in that are smart. Right. Um, as opposed to having the entire house built with that third wire so that I could buy a system. Um, and so for, for a homeowner like myself, I'm obviously, you know, the tech cat, so I'm doing all of that. 
but what happens um, to people that don't, you know, this isn't their jam? Like, how does that play out? Yeah, and it's still not entirely clear who's going to be the winner in this space. There are still competing standards. There are still uh, proprietary interfaces that are going on, and that's a real challenge to build the system out as flexibly as possible so that as new standards come on, you can still join. But just basic things like having a smart sort of general smart USB-based uh, interfaces so that you can connect to them later on is a, is a good way to begin. But it's, it's still a little dicey because nobody's exactly sure what direction these things are going to end up in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I also, um, you know, I, I noticed I had to really boost up my internet at the house um, because I had to, um, I had to change, you know, how everything was being handled because I was eating up the sort of basic, <laughs> you know, Wi-Fi package that I had, the basic uh, broadband package that I had. So I did have to put in some infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, you were experiencing in microcosm what the world is experiencing overall, which is that IoT is sucking up a tremendous amount of bandwidth. And this is one of the reasons behind uh, 5G, the push towards 5G, which they tell us is the year of 5G every year for the last five years. So we hope that this is the year of 5G. It's <laughs> certainly coming along, but a little slower than, than everybody hoped. All right, well, let's look at the next trend, um, which is very exciting, and that is that the, the home interface goes AI. Um, and um, and I, I know this again from dealing with all of these hubs and these um, solutions and how they kind of do get a little smarter all the time. But, you know, what do you, what do you mean by, by the, the home interface goes AI? Is it, is it, am I going to say something like, open the door, Hal? Open the door. <laughs> well, well, you do that now, except you say, open the door, Alexa, or open the door. Hey, Google, open the door. Right. right. So that's already happening. But what happens, it, it, initially, a lot of this was done with an interface where you would type things in on a keypad. And then we moved to voice. But I think there's going to come a point of fatigue where you just really get tired of talking to your walls all the time. And I think the really the next step is like I said earlier, your house anticipates and understands what you want before you get there. So you walk in the door, even before you get home, like I said, your car connects to your system and says she's half hour away based on the traffic she's in right now and uh, turns up the heat or turns up the air conditioner and gets your cold beer ready and gets you gets it set so that you don't have to interact with that technology. The technology just knows what you want. And um, I think you have a video clip about this, but there's also the sense, you know, when you go in the kitchen, you won't even have to push buttons on your stove anymore. Do you, do you have that video queued up, Laura? Yeah, yeah, let's take a look at that. Um, and this is, um, of course, with um, our friends at Whirlpool and Yumly. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll forward to that, and I'll take a look at this. But, but it's the idea, instead of having to enter recipes or program them in, your uh, stove will know, oh, look, that's salmon. It'll use a camera, it'll say, and I know that she likes her salmon extra crispy on the bottom and not too cooked on the top, and she's usually using this sauce and this recipe, and it just puts everything in there for you. You don't have to program anything, it just... Right. It for you. And we're looking at, um, for those of you that don't have the video, we're looking at um, an application on an iPad that's scanning food, identifying it, and then putting it into a recipe online um, as part of this integrated experience between Yumly, which is a recipe database, and Whirlpool. There, actually, Whirlpool is experimenting, too, with, with uh, vision systems that actually break they have the scanner inside the oven and they recognize the food. It's, so so, it's really so cool. Yeah, um, it's pretty sexy. And what was, what was so cool about it too, when we were, um, we saw a lot of this at CES. Um, I think what was so cool about it then was the fact that um, you saw sort of an, almost an augmented reality overlay on top of the, um, 
on top of the interface of the stove um, because you all of a sudden could see like what how you were supposed to cook it and what it was supposed to look like. Yeah, right? I think that's really cool. And and being able to set your preferences is huge. Like you know how how you like your vegetables roasted and not everybody likes them the same and you don't even have to worry about it anymore. You just, you know, you put in your code and it knows, Oh, we're making, we're making broccoli for Jeanette and, uh, or pie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pie pie is, is, um, is, is more exciting than broccoli for sure. Yeah. Pie is not just a number. Pie is a lifestyle. That's right. Pie is a lifestyle. (laughs) But all of this is really designed to make our lives better, easier, um, you know, and I think uh, especially those of us that say have kids or if both of you are working, if, you're, if your partner is working and you're working and you may forget to get groceries that day, having a solution like this really lets you, um, you know, leverage whatever you do have in your kitchen and it really makes life a lot easier. Um, which is in the end the point of all of this, right, um, is, is about making your life easier. Um, all right, let, now let's uh, jump to the next trend, which is builders are designing for flexible families. And what do you mean by that, Jeanette? Well, I think a, uh, for a long time, home building was surrounded with the idea of, of the nuclear family, right? Mom, dad, and two and a half kids, right? Maybe a dog. But we're realizing that families are much more flexible now. Sometimes there's one mom, sometimes there's two moms, sometimes it's mom, dad, and grandma, and Aunt Thelma. And so the, the families are not necessarily built the same way. That means that your house has to be flexible in terms of, is it really built for kids? Is it really built for seniors? Is it built for aging in place. So when the kids move out and mom and dad want to stay in the home, is it built in a way that they can do that with a minimum amount of, of assistance and extra construction to help them with that process? So, so um, it, it really does, um, in the end, sort of set up for modern life. Yeah, I mean, and also, you know, it's the idea of accessible housing is, is just smart business, right? Because the more customers you can have in your house, the better as far as is trying to sell your property. So if it has a, a zero entry shower that you can walk, uh, use your walker or roll into, that's going to help you not only stay in your house longer, but also sell that house to people who need those special modifications. Yeah, and I think that, you know, this is more, this is so much truer than ever before, um, mostly due to the fact that we are living longer and that one of the other, you know, trends in our world right now is that millennials now are staying home longer in their house with their Gen X or their young boomer parents. And so there needs to be a division in space there more than ever before. Like maybe the millennial is moving into the garage and it becomes a detached unit or whatever these phenomenas are. Um, and the other thing that I experienced um, yesterday was I've been doing a lot of, and we'll talk more about immersive content, but I was doing virtual reality exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing this new game and you jump around a lot, you know, and I, cause normally most of the games I've been doing are forward facing. And so you're fine, but I was jumping around a lot and I actually fell over because I wasn't paying attention to the guardian that the software creates like a wall, a or virtual why, wall. Why, why do we not have the video of this? <laughs> well, and I totally, totally fell over because I was in my exercise meditation room. I fell over my Buddha and <laughs> I scraped my, the whole side of my left leg. Um, and that was a big ouchie. But another trend that we that you and I have both seen is that families are basically clearing out the garage or that extra room to make it an immersive content space. So it's completely empty so that you can do VR and AR or whatever it is that, you know, you're going to be exploring content with. Or maybe it becomes the, you know, the screen comes down and it becomes the TV room. But whatever that, that space is, it's not filled with stuff. Um, and that's a new thing. 
Right, or it becomes a new source of revenue. I mean, with the with the new rules about sort of Airbnbs, Airbnbs right. and and mother-in-law cottages, as the kids are moving out, you're yes. taking extra revenue from that space. Right, so right, and and that that and that's really and plus everybody wants that um, the Airbnb model of being able to fly into a town and drop in a couple of days. So this whole gig economy has also changed what our needs are. Um, for our home and um, you know and parents are also juggling care for their kids and uh, pairs and all sorts of models so it's it's just a really interesting time all right let's take a look at another trend um, and the next trend we're going to look at has to do with da, 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 trend five builders all right so we're going to talk a little bit about builders we've been talking about what homeowners want now let's talk about what builders are going through so builders are turning to automation. Um, so what do you mean by that one, Jeanette? Well, one of the main reasons this is happening is over the last uh, decade or more, there's been a shortage of really trained workers to, in the space. They've been really uh, trying to find more employees to help them build these houses. And so one of the ways that they're coping with this shortage, with this employee shortage, is to turn to automation. So you can, you have robots that lay bricks and you have 3D printing machines that print whole houses. And then you have a lot of prefab options where basically the pieces of your house are built in giant chunks and then they just ship them to the job site and stitch them together. So. This is a new technology trend that we've been seeing, and it, it really seems to be accelerating. <coughs> Excuse me. And do you think that um, the modern builder has to be more technology savvy than they ever were before? Absolutely, because not only is there a lot of competition for the employees, but there's a lot of desire to cut costs. These automation tools really help cut down the price and and you know, there, there's a saying that um, really building houses the old-fashioned way isn't going to be tenable much longer because you just, price-wise, you can't compete, and timeline-wise, you can't compete. The longer that you're building that house, is, the longer you're not making money on it. So the faster you can get that house up and, and get what the customer wants, the, the more money you're going to make. And um, when it comes to um, also builders coming up now are you seeing universities and colleges and just wherever you know wherever sort of that vocational vocational training happens is is that including learning these dashboards and sort of more of this IT side of the business uh, yes I would say so I think there's a couple of different places right so on the architecture level absolutely architects are uh, very familiar with these CAD systems and these and these digital design systems. Uh, the general contractors are are following behind, but the higher up you go in terms of the design system, the more technically savvy they tend to be. But I mean, three D printings uh, can allow you to build the walls, roof, and floor of a six hundred and fifty foot uh, house in twelve hours. Wow. I mean, um, and I, I, you and I got to visit um, a company called Effentech, which is an event company. And they're doing this amazing thing where they're designing their stages and sets for events, really big corporate, huge events like Facebook and other companies. Um, and they're able to create it in CAD and then in 3D and then drop it into a VR environment and then also stream it live through a VR headset to their client in another part of the country so that they can meet in this VR environment and check out the experience of, um, of that set, basically. Um, so it's really changing the game. Now on a smaller level, again, I'm in the middle of a new building phase um, and the contractor showed up with his 3D software and he was moving things around and he uses it, it's tied into his bidding software as well. But he's like, what do you mean drop it into VR? So he's not there yet right. um, as a local sort of contractor, but he is extremely savvy with this 3D software. So there's sort of this, you know, and he's not going to, he can't switch to a Mac because he only knows this software and this software only works on a PC. And, you know, so he's dealing with all of that stuff. Um, but it's just interesting how much it's changing and how quickly. Yeah, it's really 
the adoption is based on the pain point. You know, the, the biggest hassle, the biggest trouble that that builder has, the biggest challenges are where they're most likely to adopt the technology. Um, if things are going really well, they're not going to bother to spend the time or money. But there's always specific challenges and, and managing time and materials and, and building information management or BIM, that's a, that's a big challenge for contractors. So they're working with digital tools in that space. And BIM is something that everybody knows about. That's like an expression that's often used, right? Well, it's, it's often used in the construction space. I'm not sure how uh, familiar general audiences are with it yet, but it, it basically means building information management means everything that you need to run a, a facility is all in a digital place that you can track and you can add AI, AI to so you know where problems are likely to occur before they actually occur instead of constantly being behind the eight ball and trying to fix things after they break. Oh, I love that. Um, bim bam is what I have to say to that. All right, let's, <laughs> let's go to the next trend. And the next trend, trend number six, we're just plowing through these trends. Go, baby, go. (laughs) Job sites go digital. We talked a little bit about this, but um, again, this is on the builder side of of, uh, these tech discussions. But tell us what you mean by job sites go digital. One thing that's really exciting on job site management is is the notion of drones. also, for job site security, right, keeping an eye on are those materials staying where they're put or are there people coming in the middle of the night and doing a little impromptu Home Depot shopping? Um, there's also uh, the ability to use drones to measure sites and materials and to do uh, surveying systems. They're using LIDAR and 3D scanning and a couple of different technologies. Um, there are also, you know, sensors and cameras just like we had talked about the eyes of, of IoT before. Uh, sensors and cameras are big in home environments and home building environments for the same reasons, for security, but also for safety. Are there any unusual chemicals? Is there somebody who has fallen? Is there, you know, there are even tools now that you can put on people that have like, little shoots, like little parachutes and little inflatable things, like if a worker is falling, it notices it and it protects them. Because one of the biggest and most difficult to predict expenses um, in home building is safety issues. So if you can keep away from that worker's comp, that's going to help your job be a lot more profitable. And and do do you see this expanding further, you know, growing over the years? Absolutely. I think this is an area because safety is such an important factor, not only in profitability, but also in being a good place to work and being a good steward of your employees. Um, I see that the sensor management and cameras are going to be huge. Also, the ability for uh, everybody on the job site to, to access pretty much everything via their mobile phones and tablets is another really important improvement that we've seen and and um it improves profitability and communication so much i i can't see that that's going to slow down anytime soon or um also and i don't know if this is um still accurate but i remember reading something about that workers a lot of workers don't like all this checking into ipads and having to track themselves and uh, the fact that everything is geolocated so there's no more like sneaking off the work site you know like it's a little on the fascist side but you're able to really track your your work staff well i mean that's really going to be a corporate culture decision how these tools are used right you can use them in a big brother fashion like am i getting every second of possible work out of my employees or you can use it in a are, are my employees well? Are they safe? Are they cared for? And and also, do my employees have everything they need on the job site to do things quickly? Or are we spending a lot of time making phone calls back to the home office and dealing with, you know, physical files being in the right place or the wrong place? It, it's really a corporate culture decision how these tools are used. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Because it can get really fascist, but at the same time, 
you know, if you're able to save the company money and actually, um, I think, encourage people to, um, you know, work better and be more diligent, you know, if it, if it snaps that, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, let's go to the next, the next trend. We're getting near the end here. Um, oh, wait, actually, we're going to look at a little video of um, what some of this, um, you know, drone behavior and other, and other stuff is like. So um, for our, our only radio audience, we'll kind of describe this. But um, this is basically a video that's showing us how all this new technology has basically changed the game. Um, you know, first we had GPS, then we had laser scanners. We are adding robotics to all of this. And then, of course, the drones that you were talking about. Um, and how one of the, the biggest points that um, a lot of the information online is sharing is that this is stuff that used to take, and I think you mentioned this, you know, like months. Um, and all of this drone technology and all of these different solutions are really changing the game, like making things that really took a long time. So in, in some ways, though, it's people are losing money over it, right? Losing money over using drones? Meaning that the st staff needs are, are less, right? Or is it just the workforce is changing? It's, it's really the workforce is changing. And I would also say that in this case, um, you know, you're still using traditional surveyors, but uh, they have more accurate and much more comprehensive tools to use to gather better data. So a lot of, in a lot of cases, some of the survey stuff you would find out uh, down the road a piece at a point in the construction where it's very inconvenient. And this way you're getting much more data uh, in much deeper data upfront. So I don't know that it's really changing the complexion of the industry that much. And um, there are lots and lots of jobs to be had in this space anyways. This is a space where there's a shortage of uh, qualified employees. So I don't think there's gonna be too much trouble there. Or, or maybe some retraining of, of folks, um, you know, cause that's the one thing that, um, you know, when everyone talks about AI and technology um, taking over jobs, there's no time for that training that used to happen when we would upgrade technology, there's, there was always time. Now it's like overnight, you're out of a job because of AI. But at the same time, if we can get those very same people to be leveraging these tools, it just requires some, a little bit of a deeper education. Yeah, and, and I should state that for the moment, uh, in the construction industry, it's not so much uh, replacing jobs as making people more efficient at their jobs. So we're not seeing a lot of robots working independently, but we are seeing a lot of cobots, which is sort of human robot uh, Ooh, I think I was uh, married to a cobot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a different show, Lori. <laughs> yeah. uh, like there, there are tools that, um, for example, allow a person to easily carry a concrete block, which is like, I don't know, 100 pounds or something. And instead of them doing the lifting, they're doing the guiding and the placing. So they're able to work more quickly which might mean slightly fewer hours, but they're also able to work much more, much in a much safer environment. And they're also able to work later into their lives because it's not so dependent on physical. They're, they're right. That's like in the Avengers or even in uh, star Wars, when they get into these like robot things anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a while before we're going to see full like uh, superhero exoskeletons, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for mentioning Echo Skeleton. Um, I really appreciate that. Whoops. Um, all right, we're going to get into our next trend now. And uh, we're talking about we're getting near the wire here. We're talking about buyers requiring resilience. Um, so now we're talking again about not already homeowners and what they're doing. But when people go out to buy a home, what are the things that they're thinking about and looking at? And so resilience is, is so, explain to us what, what we mean by resilience. Well, resilience means that um, for a long time, we've kind of been feeling like the world is going down the tubes and well, it is. So <laughs> you have to be prepared to deal with it, whether it's wildfires or floods or just not having access to the electrical grid for one reason or another. 
we need tools that will help us cope with those situations. As we become more reliant on technology, we're more sensitive to when technology isn't available. So resilience helps us cope with those situations. And we, we saw, um, in fact, I think at the Consumer Electronics Show, this started last year, but this year it was one of the bigger trends and the halls were filled with resilient technology. Um, and I think one of my favorites is sort of that case study around Moen, um, who provides, you know, different fixtures um, and consumers are familiar with that Moen brand, sort of a higher end sinks and handles and things like that. And they partnered with, I forget the name of the startup, but they partnered with a flood detection uh, company who um, a consumer can now go into a Home Depot and buy, along with the Moen, these, these um, you know, little devices that stay attached to around your plumbing so that if a pipe explodes, it will send a little alert to your, to your phone on the app and tell you flooding's happening or there's more moisture here or, or whatever that is. And it's done in a very consumer-friendly way so that I, non-plumber girl, can actually manage other issues in my home so that if there is a fire or if there is an earthquake, you know, obviously different regions of the U.S. are going to have different challenges. So where we are, if there's an earthquake, even if it's a minor one, it could tip over a water heater or something like that. So... Um, uh, so you're really put in a situation where alerts like that on a consumer level, but associated with a brand like Moen, because if I had to walk into a store and say, I need that, you know, floody thing <laughs> attached to my sink, I wouldn't know what that was. And that's not very consumery, right? That's very true. But I think one of the uh, key components to this resilience technology is in particular when you're dealing with early detection, whether it's uh, uh, leaks or impending wildfires or whatever, uh, insurance companies will lower the costs of your insurance based on having those pieces in place. So a lot of times it's virtually free to the homeowner to have these technologies in place by time you take into account how it affects insurance premiums. Uh, so that's a really pretty safe bet for builders to put into homes because the, the homeowner is going gonna, is gonna to make the money back. Not to mention the fact, I think we'd all rather know about a wildfire, you know, before it burns before out. Before it's too late, right. And, and it's the consumerization of infrastructure technology, yeah. um, you know, um, which that, that consumerization piece is what a lot of, a lot of this, these technology advancements are doing. We're seeing it in the medical area. We're seeing it now here we're going to see it in a lot of business categories and i bet you as we have our monthly gatherings here on voice america um, with jeanette the tech explainer um, we're going to really dig into the consumerization of all of these business categories because of this tech right the tech is really democratizing everything i i think that's true and and i think that part of the reason this is happening is that people are losing faith in the grid and for good reason, right? How often is the mobile system down? How often, um, especially if there's an emergency, you can't get through on your mobile phone. And, you know, in California this year with PG&E, um, they just, they, they shut down the power grid for days at a time because even of the threat of a wildfire. So I think people are, are starting to think in terms of like, how can I be self-reliant? not if, but when this tech that I rely on goes away. Yeah. And what, and what, how, and what are my next steps? I mean, um, I just bought a bunch of emergency bags, you know, just to have in different parts of my house. Um, so again, we're all thinking about this stuff now more, more than ever before because of all the news. Um, all right. Let's talk about our next to last trend. Cause we're getting, we're getting near, near, uh, near the end here. Um, and our next trend is really the, the fun trend, um, and that is um, buyers turn to real estate reality. Um, and I, I loved this. Um, you called it RR estate. Yeah. <laughs> RR estate, right. Because, uh, look, there's a lot about selling your house that's kind of miserable. You know, you have to try and keep it clean for weeks at a time, and you have these open houses that are very time-consuming and hardly anybody 
you, you, you have a house full of people, but it's just nosy neighbors that want to know what's in your closets. So, um, you know, I think that there's a desire to create a, a new way of doing real estate. And that's where these, like, uh, Facebook live um, walkthroughs and the VR and AR applications are changing the way that we buy houses or buy property. Right. It's a really good point. Now we do have an example. So for those of us that are just listening on radio, we're going to describe it, but this is a great video. um, And there's so many great videos out there that are really demonstrating where this is all going. So, um, and this is really sharing the fact that anywhere in the world, um, you can put on a headset and be dropped into a virtual room. Um, And what they're showcasing here in the video is how a builder can literally swap out flooring for a potential buyer in a room, um, change the direction of where a sink is or the type of materials and really help people kind of understand, you know, what's happening with, um, with the choices in, in buying a home. Um, and it's also saving a lot of money across the board for everybody in the ecosystem, right? Cause you don't have to build, you don't have to build a, um, you know, a promo model if you're building a big condominium complex, right? Well, all these all these things that used to just cost so much or were built into the marketing process of land um, and, and buildings are, are now gone because you can just plop on a headset. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what's happening in this space. And um, I think it's important to be clear that developing this VR stuff is not free, right? So for individual houses, maybe not so much unless it's a really high-end property. But when you're building a whole like neighborhood of houses or a whole sort of condominium, then uh, instead of having to, de- to develop a model home, which is very, very expensive, um, you know, the VR costs less than building a whole other property. But it's not free. I mean, there's, there's some money involved in, in creating it. Right. And I think what's really democratizing all of this um, in so many ways, too, is the fact that now the headsets are no longer having to be tethered um, and that you can get them. They're very affordable. So a, even a you know, small real estate company can have a couple of headsets for four or $500. Like right. the thing that I'm, I'm using right now, the Oculus Quest, to do my exercise and almost kill myself is, uh, is only $500. Um, yeah, and did, you, did you injure your Zen by the way? I, I did. My, my Zen is now at N. <laughs> I broke the Z. Broke, <laughs> broke my Zen. Yeah. yeah. I broke the Zen, but yeah, it's just, a, it's a different game and it's happened really fast. You know, that you used to have these really expensive tethered systems where you were tied to a processor. Um, and now you can do really sophisticated VR experiences in a $500 headset. Right. Um, you know, and at some point it's all going to be contact lenses anyway, right? Well, I think that's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think eventually, I, I think we'll probably end up with an AR sort of a, a Google Glass-ish kind of thing far before the contact lenses. I think that's a way out. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, and um, I think we're all looking forward to, as each time the, the technology gets more cheaper, simpler, easier to use, more people jump on. And then those of us that are building businesses around this have more opportunity, right? All right, let's take a look at the almost last trend. Um, the second to last trend, and that is um, buyers going green. And I will amount this. Um, for those of you, again, that are just listening in audio, I'm playing around with slides. So it's like fun with slides. Um, and this is buyers going green. This is like the very hottest technology ever. It's called PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it uses a lot of AI, my finger. <laughs> um, well, green is very important to a lot of millennial buyers and, and younger. Um, it's For many of them, it's a key purchasing decision, not just an afterthought. But also, uh, some of these new technologies allow you to do amazing things with the materials. I mean, you can get um, materials made out of sheep's wool or 
porous pavement made from gra ground glass and recycled paper and self-healing concrete, right? So it, it gets a crack and it fixes itself. And now there's um, organically grown concrete. So like it's like bio nano created concrete. It's like a little frightening from a concrete covers the world a la the blob sense, but also really exciting from the standpoint of um, having a better and safer planet and, and uh, more sustainable building practices. By and large, uh, traditional building is incredibly wasteful. So this is a, a welcome change that we're seeing in this space. Yeah, and I think there'll be also a lot of adaptions to currently already existing space, um, at, at, you know, as we move through this. Certainly, again, the younger generation, millennials and younger, want ethical anything for whatever they get into. So if they're going to buy a home or if they're going to be at a company, they want to know that that company, that building, that entity is, is being green. Yes, um, that and the older generation is just freaked out about the electric bill and they want yeah. green technology because yeah. it's so expensive to, right. to heat and air condition and light a home nowadays that anything that can be done to minimize those costs is also going to be attractive to a older audience. It's just going to be less about the ecological halo and more about the, uh, the monthly bill. Right, right. And so for whatever your reason is about caring about it, it's still a big issue. And that's personally one of the reasons why I love having my whole house on Alexa. So at the end of the day, when I'm lying down, I can go, good night, Alexa. And it literally turns off and locks everything. So I'm not falling asleep and forgetting to turn out lights. Yeah, um, I think it's going to have to change, though, like what we say as parents, because we can't say... What do you think? We're heating the whole neighborhood? Why is this house lit up like a Christmas tree and all this stuff that my dad used to say? Now we're oh, my. No, it's so funny that you say that. I was just hearing his voice saying, are you kids paying the bills? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm made of money? And he with a very thick New York accent. Because I have fallen asleep with lights on. And I'm like, I can't believe I did that. You know what I mean? So, yes, you're absolutely right. So all of these things will actually help a lot of more traditional um, issues that we have. All right, and for our very last trend, we go to da, 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 buyers turn to blockchain, one of our biggest buzzwords of, of and, 2019. And nobody knows blockchain. what blockchain is, right? Nobody knows what blockchain is. Don't feel bad if you don't know what blockchain is. Nobody knows. Even the people who sell blockchain, most of them don't know. <laughs> blockchain is one of these underlying technologies that, it's not visible, like you can't see a VR visor and understand blockchain. What it does is it allows you to manage data in a way that's very secure and very portable. And why this is important is because the mortgage process is incredibly slow and wasteful and it doesn't need to be. I think we are gonna see property buying turn uh, to blockchain much faster than a lot of other industries because there's suggestions that with blockchain, you may be able to do a mortgage over lunch instead of 14 days and 400 pages of paper and a huge finance fee that comes with that process. So uh, I think that's going to be a big industry changer over the next uh, couple of years. And will it impact the consumer? Oh, look, it's the, uh, it's BB <laughs> it's the, B it's the BBC baby. <laughs> He brought well, me a soda. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Hi, Brian. It's the BBC baby. Yeah. Again, for, for those of you that um, uh, are on audio only, we just had a, a visitor in Jeanette's video stream. But um, anyway. Um, well, at least I so, didn't do like that one guy and discipline him severely and then have to. In the middle. The BBC, yeah. yeah, the BBC baby. Um, well, are you, I know he was like abusive. Um, are you um, thinking that blockchain will eventually impact the consumer though? Will I be aware that I'm using blockchain? No, you're just going to be aware that a lot of things that used to be a, a big pain in the rump and cost a lot of money are less of a pain and cost a lot less. So you're not necessarily going to know why those things happen, nor do you need to, but you will know. And, and for example, another thing that blockchain is really good at is chain of custody. So like if I want to know that my environmentally 
uh, farmed, eco-friendly, renewable resource boards actually are those things, I can use blockchain on the tele on on the internet and and be certain that those are not just marketing buzzwords, but actually are true. So that's another thing that blockchain is really good at. Wow. So that represents the end of our um, top 10 tech trends in the real estate vertical. And again, um, here on the Tech Cat Show once a month, we're going to be visiting with our friend, the tech explainer, Jeanette Patty, to, um, to dive into how so many of these important trends that we've been looking at, again, from the media and entertainment side are going to be impacting um, the world of uh, business enterprise. And real estate is just such an exciting topic. Um, we're actually going to be spending some time at a show called PCBC um, in San Francisco um, in June. And it's, it's one of the biggest, it is the biggest Western conference show, um, you know, on the West coast for real estate and builders primarily. And they're going to be showcasing a ton of new technologies in the space. So we've really been digging into understanding how this, how this all works. Um, and what's your overall impression uh, of the industry right now, Jeanette, and where it's at just as a, a closing line? Uh, I think saving money pushes technology for consumers and for for uh, builders. And so I think that's the key place. If you want to see where the tech is moving the fastest, figure out where the most money is saved, and that's where it's that's where it's at. That's that's a really good point. All right. Well, we're going to be um, we're going to be saying goodbye, and we'll be coming back to you next week with um, more playing around with video and Zoom. Um, for those of us who are watching this on the live stream and for our audio friends, it's always good to be here. I'm Lori H. Schwartz. I'm your tech cat. Great to be broadcasting live for Voice America, um, coming to you from Los Angeles, and we're going to be wrapping it out. Thanks so much, and dig into all the great opportunities in real estate. And Jeanette, anything you want to guide people towards as your oh, final word? Well, they should go to your website if they want to see those videos that we weren't able to show here. They can go find those links there, can't they? They can, exactly. Story, right. story well, at the, the techcat.tv, tech I'll be posting all of these things. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 